From finance and commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation in technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. Anyone who has been out and about in the Twin Cities in the last couple of years can't help but recognize Chris Lindahl, the local real estate agent whose beaming image has been omnipresent on billboards, buses, and light rail cars. But Lindahl isn't just another smiling face in the urban landscape. The founder and CEO of Twin Cities-based Chris Lindahl Real Estate is a marketable speaker, author, and podcast host who's not shy about sharing his insights on buying and selling homes. A graduate of Minnesota State University Mankato with a degree in education, Lindahl is also a leader of the hashtag BeGenerous movement, which urges people to donate their time and talents to their communities. In the following interview, Lindahl talks about how he got into the business, the state of the real estate market amid the global pandemic and civil unrest, the emergence of analytics in real estate, and what lies ahead for the industry. Well, pleased to be joined by uh, Chris Lindahl, CEO and founder of Chris Lindahl Real Estate and a Twin Cities real estate expert, um, sought after speaker, author, and of course we've seen his face all over billboards and buses and so forth. Uh, anyone who's been out and about in the Twin Cities is uh, familiar with with the likeness of Mr. Lindahl. So um, thank you for thank you for joining me. And um, wondering if we could maybe uh, start out by if you could talk a little bit about your background, your business, and, and how you got started in real estate. Yeah, uh, Brian, and, and also I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to to spend time with you. Um, uh, if I look back to my background, sort of, um, you know, post high school, uh, I went to college, uh, Minnesota State University, Mankato, uh, to be a teacher. Um, the foundation of who I've, I am, I've always wanted to help and, and give back to others. It's what's uh, drove me from day one, and that's why I wanted to be a teacher. And so. Um, I got my education degrees from Mankato, um, and then I, you know, I had a, a few different jobs. Uh, one of them was I worked at Connecticut uh, Water Systems and, and, and with their water software division. I was in charge of the builder division, um, and then from there, um, I moved into uh, real estate in May 2009. Um, I had no idea uh, what I was doing. I had a friend that suggested that I get into real estate, and and then I just, I, I jumped in, and it was uh it was a time of, you know, as you remember, Brian, a lot of short sales, a lot of foreclosures, bank mediated sales, um, a lot of hardship, a lot of hardship, um, which sort of reminds me a little bit of the pandemic that we've been in recently um, with, and, and some of those things. Um, and so I, I really um, had the ability to help people, which was the, the core of who I was. Um, and I got educated really quick. I've always been a student first and, and I I just learned a lot about, I learned so much. I did so much research. I traveled around the country to better understand real estate, to better understand uh, how to help people. Um, and and that's, that's how I got started in real estate. Um, 
you know, I've, I've made a, a, a lot of mistakes along the way as I've learned and, and, and I just keep trying different things. I'm a, uh, a constant learner, just trying to always uh, better myself and now better our company and the leaders around me. Okay, great. Um, and do you do primarily residential or have you done commercial as well? Or what, what do you specialize in? So at the moment, we, um, we've had a, a pretty big focus on residential. Um, we've really uh, made it a point to start getting um, more into commercial as well. Um, because what we've found is, um, just like the, the introduction that uh, you gave me today, uh, most people in, the, in the Minnesota and Western Wisconsin area know of our company. And what we found is a lot of people that had residential real estate needs also have commercial real estate needs. Um, and so that started to show up. So um, we've been, uh, we've really been aggressively hiring people on our commercial side um, because of the amount of inbound commercial real estate business that we're receiving now. Okay. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, your, your advertising campaign and, and sort of how you got into that and, 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 and how it's, uh, what kind of dividends it's paid? Um, yeah. So, you know, what I saw when I first got into real estate is I, I saw a model that was very traditional um, in, the, in the sense of um, realtor works with a client. Uh, they charge a, a commission. Um, they put a sign in the yard. They put a lockbox on the door. They put it in the MLS and they hold a few open houses. And that was the marketing strategy. Um, and as technology has evolved, um, with all of the data being readily available to the consumer, um, with the way that social media has, um, has evolved, the way that Google, Yahoo, Bing, and, and all of these platforms seem to become way more of a digital experience. Um, and I saw that as I was, as I was um, continuing my success in real estate, and I knew that we had to have a better solution uh, for the consumer. And what, was, what made the most sense to me was to do something that was unconventional, that would get noticed that wasn't the, the realtor that was dressed professionally on, you know, a few bus benches or a billboard. Um, and it was just very, very, very traditional. And I wanted to do uh, something that would, that would just stand out. And, and that's where that arms out um, iconic pose for, for most, most brands really came from. And we did so many billboards, radio, TV, we had it everywhere that it was a, it was like an omnipresent sort of takeover. We had the plane in the air um, that it just became a conversation, buses, trains, you know, everything happened at once and, and everyone started to notice it in, in any business uh, where you have success is where people notice you, whatever that may be. Um, and so that's where we really wanted to come up with a strategy that was very omni focused because now when I look at that traditional model that, that is no longer in the best interest of the consumer, I knew that if we could get attention, what that meant is more people would come to our website, more people would come and contact us digitally, which meant that the clients that we work with when they're buying and selling, we would have more people that were coming in contact with our brand, which would create more opportunities for home buyers and home sellers. So if a homeowner is looking to sell their home, we have access to all of these pre-approved ready buyers because they've entered our world because of our branding. And if a buyer is struggling to find a home, especially now with low inventory, we have access to so many homes that are in pre-staging or pre-renovation that aren't even on the market yet, or 
we use our brand to go out and find other properties where homeowners would sell their home, but they don't want to have to do all the work. And so when we can come, uh, we can come to them and say, Hey, we've got a pre-approved right now buyer. They're interested in it because brands market for trust. And, and so because we've done so much branding in our campaign and we have the results to, to back that up, people are more willing to have conversations with us. And I have to ask, when you go out in public, do people recognize you and say, hey, there's the billboard guy. Do you have to wear a disguise when you go to Target or something? You know, uh, I'm really noticeable now. Um, but it's it's also part of uh, what's built. Um, and and I, I, uh, I have no complaints. I, I think it's an honor um, that people compliment us on what we're doing and, and how we've been noticed and really how we're revolutionizing uh the real estate industry um i really enjoy having conversations because what i found is some of the people that come up to me actually are supporting us and are referring their friends family coworkers to our company but we don't always get a chance to say thank you to everyone right i mean sometimes we have supporters that are out there supporting us um but they may not have reached out to us directly to tell us that they're supporting us um so it's nice to get to face to face with a lot of people um so that i can personally thank them uh, for the support that they've given us in, in our company. Sure. And can you touch on a little bit about the, um, the, the current state of the real estate market in the midst of this terrible pandemic and the civil unrest and, and so forth, really trying times in a lot of ways, but, uh, what does that all mean for, uh, people who are buying and selling homes? Yeah, there's, I mean, you mentioned, a couple different things there, right? I mean, and one is obviously the pandemic, and then the other one is the tragedy uh, that I've been sad and, and shocked. And you know, I put out a statement earlier this week exactly how I feel and, and why I didn't feel that I should be silent right now. And I really believe that our community needs to come together. Um, and, and so they're they're two different things. Obviously, um, you know the um, the stuff that's that's happened in uh, in Minneapolis and St. Paul. That's more on the commercial real estate side um, that's going to take some rebuilding and, you know, our thoughts go out to everyone that's been impacted. And, and as a company, you know, our number one core value is to be generous and we've been doing whatever we can to support those uh, in need right now. Um, and then the other side of it is, is the residential side and, and, and how the pandemic has affected that. And so what we've seen on the residential side um, is we've seen really low inventory. When the, when the pandemic first hit, a lot of homeowners that were thinking about selling hit the pause button, right? And so we, and, and what happened was, is when it hit was right when uh, in Minnesota, that's Minnesota, Wisconsin, that's typically the spring market, right? So we had all of this pent up demand and we had inventory that was very low. We had inventory that was very low. We're seeing multiple offers. We're seeing things go above asking price. And at the same time, we're also seeing interest rates tick down. Right, so in really the first time that, that I've seen in my career that it's a great time to sell, but also a great time to buy because what I've learned is especially people that are looking to purchase a home, a lot of times they're focused on what the actual purchase price is and they don't pay a lot of attention to what the rate is. And so as rates have been going down here in, in, a, you know, in a, a 30 year mortgage or a 15 year mortgage, the percentage of that payment that's actual interest is large. And so those adjustments in interest, if you're planning on staying in a home for quite some time, that makes a huge impact uh, in your payment. And so, and then on the seller side, 
you know, the, the homeowners that are looking to sell, they have the ability to get more right now. Homeowners have a lot of equity right now. Um, and then they're able to use that to go and purchase another home and capitalize on the low interest rates. So demand is really high. We're, we're starting to see um, some homeowners start to take action to list their home. What I worry about for homeowners is I worry about when this first pandemic hit, what happened was a lot of homeowners were like, all right, we're just gonna hit the pause button. We're gonna wait and see what happens. When we get through this, we'll list. The challenge is I don't know how we assess when we're through it and what does through it mean and what does that look like? Um, and so what I believe is gonna happen and you're gonna start to see some more of this, we're gonna have a lot of homeowners that are all gonna come on the market at the same time, right? So we're gonna have, at some point, we're gonna have a surplus of inventory um, and maybe not as much demand, which simple supply and demand economics, if you have too much supply and not enough demand, homeowners are, are gonna get less, right? And so it's interesting, like as we watched over the past few months, homeowners that are selling now are actually getting more than they probably will later uh, because there's no, there, there's no supply. There's no competition for that homeowner when it comes time to sell their home. Now that's counterintuitive to a lot of people that have been watching the pandemic when it first happened and things like that were like, wow, like this is, you know, they watched the stock market at first started making some adjustments, which now that's on the, uh, that's on the, it's been on the upswing. I obviously every day changes. Um, but they, but watching homeowners, um, they thought that this was gonna be the crash of the real estate industry uh, in, in the residential side, um, just like 08, 09 was. But there's so many different indicators, right? Credit's strong, um, income is strong. People still have a lot of money. Equity in homes is really strong, right? Where, and, and demand, we have more demand than we do supply. Whereas in 08, 09, we didn't have, we didn't have the demand and that's what caused the, the sort of the free falling of, of home values. So the indicators are completely different. A pandemic led us into the moment um, we've been in the past few months, whereas last time around in 08, 09, it was, um, it was mostly real estate and mortgage, right? So it was, it was a completely different era. Yeah, interesting. And I wonder if you could just touch on a little bit just uh, how you go about your business in this era compared to maybe previous eras. It reminds me a little bit of a, a baseball team. In the past, it'd be a scout would go out, maybe smoking a cigar or something and just watching that prospect and seeing what they had. And now it's a lot more about analytics and things of that nature. Can you talk a little bit about how um, your industry has changed and it's using analytics and so forth? Of course. Yeah. Thank you. That That is a great question. And there's um, there's a lot to it. So I'll, I'll try to give a, a, a detailed but abbreviated version. So obviously we have the analytics side where things are, are so digital focused. Um, and, and that stuff is super critical. And obviously with anyone that's seen our marketing, the way that we do things, we are super focused on, on the marketing, the strategy and, and the analytics and understanding how do we get more exposure for homeowners that we're representing? How do we create more opportunities for buyers that are looking to buy? Um, but the thing that I think is more important than any of that is the consumer experience. And when you look at, and, and, and there's been a lot of conversations around experience lately, but when you look at our biggest competition in real estate is the, is the experience that consumers get in other industries. Meaning um, you can hit a button and you can order a ride, you know, on a, on a ride share app. Um, you can order groceries to any place that you want. 
you can order something to your doorstep, any package that you want in seconds. You can now order vehicles where they just show up on a flatbed, they drop off the new car and they take the, uh, the next one away, just gone, right? We'll take your trade in, we'll make it go away. And, and when I look at all of that stuff that is happening elsewhere, it really hasn't happened in real estate. You have a very traditional real estate model, which is you bring in a real estate agent, they typically operate on their own and they service their friends and family. But when you look at the world and you look at companies and, and you look at the way that businesses were built, it's rare that a business, that a business owner wore every hat alone. Typically, you look at companies, there are several different positions, and we all have strengths and weaknesses, including myself, but in real estate, you had one agent doing everything, and what would happen is they would they build their business, and then the biggest challenge, and you're seeing it right now, is that you have, in the traditional brokerage model, you have agents that, are all, that have all sort of built their own business. You have real estate brokerages that know that the world is changing, um, they may have the resources to try to adapt and evolve, but the challenge is they can't get adoption from their agents because their agents are content with the friends and family and the model that they built. So the, the, the traditional brokerages are looking at what's happening out there right now and they're going, we can see the consumers changing. They want convenience. They want fast. Uh, they want quick response. They want a different process than we've ever had before. But that traditional model has the innovator's dilemma where the thing that made them different and the thing that made them successful is also the thing that's going to put them out of business. And so in our model, we have created a team-like structure where we focus on everyone's strengths and we have a completely different streamlined process where the consumer gets a world-class experience. Um, obviously we have the marketing, we have all of those things. Um, and those bring people into our world. But if we don't provide a great experience, what do we really have? Right. And so we've been really focused on that experience. And then the second part of creating that experience, obviously from that analytics and things that you uh, shared there is we're super focused on leadership. Like I believe that everyone in our company is a strong leader. And the reason that is, is because we invest so much into personal development and leadership training, because you look at real estate, Every transaction has its ups and downs, whether it's the appraisal, the inspection, negotiations, there are ups and downs in a transaction. And there's human beings on each side that have emotions. It's one of the most stressful things that they'll ever do. We know that we have to show up as leaders for them. And so we invest in our company and we invest in leadership because when we know when those challenges arise, that we want to have leaders show up for our customers. And what, what do you see looking ahead going forward? Uh, where do you see this market heading? Um, and do, you, do you see a, a, a pickup here by the end of the year? Do you see more, uh, uh, any particular uh, changes? What, what, what's your outlook? Yeah, so, um, you know, sales uh, nationally have been down, but there's a couple, um, caveats to that. One of them is that some of the, the larger metro areas and states were completely shut down, right? So those, they, they really influenced the national numbers. Um, also new construction, 
um, that typically rely on, you know, things such as the parade of homes, open houses, model hours, um, those were shut down. Um, so those were some things that, that impacted uh, what the actual sales were. So sales looked down. And the biggest one of all of it is when inventory is lower, there's going to be less sales, right? And I think what, when the sales, you know, when, when those reports came out, I think people thought like, wow, the housing market's going down. Like I said, in 08, 09, sales went down because there was no demand. This time sales are down because there's no inventory. Um, and that's what's making it such a great time to sell. I believe in the, in the upcoming months, we're gonna see a lot more inventory. We're already seeing it, like you had mentioned earlier in our analytics. Um, obviously, um, with being a, a market leader in the Midwest for real estate, we see a lot of the trends before others do because of activity to our website, activity to our social media. We can measure a lot of the activity. Um, we're hearing and seeing a lot more homeowners reach out. Um, you know, there, there's more confidence out there. You know, and we think we're ready to sell. Um, obviously, uh, as a company, we, we've followed all of the CDC recommendations and, and, and all the public safety recommendations to make sure that we're doing things safely for our customers. Um, but I can see some more confidence coming now. Um, I, I really can. And so we're starting to see more people, um, more people come out and really start thinking about selling. And so I think that's, um, I think that that's going to be the trend. I really do. I think you're going to see a lot more people, um, start to sell. One thing that's, that's interesting about real estate, residential real estate in general is that it's shelter for people, right? People think about it's an investment. You build equity, you build net worth, which those things are all true. Uh, but the one that matters more than any of them is that it's shelter. And you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. One of the most important things is shelter. We need to have shelter, right? And so, so that's why you, you won't see a residential real estate market that will just hit the pause button because everyone has different life-changing events in their world um, that cause them to have to make residential real estate decisions. So I think we'll, we'll continue to see more inventory. Um, we demand just continues to pick up. Um, people are starting to see, especially with where interest rates are at, um, that people that maybe were, were renting, um, you know, we, we've, we've seen a, a lot of, um, you know, first time renters all the way up to luxury renters that are now entering uh, the resident, residential real estate purchase side of things um, because they plan to stay for 10, 15 years and they're, and they're seeing where interest rates are at. And it's so attractive. It's in most cases, it's less than uh, a mortgage payment would be, or less than a rent payment would be on renting a property. Yeah, absolutely. And I know the home builders are anxious to get out there and, and they're seeing demand. And uh, I know just the pandemic, I, I follow building permits pretty closely and um, they were going pretty strong at the start of the year. Then all of a sudden you saw in April here that the bottom kind of fell out uh, on, on new home permits, but um, they're certainly still seeing demand. And, and like you said, it's it's not like it was in 09 when you had all the foreclosures and the distressed properties. It's, it's, it's a different situation, so. Yeah, and the other thing too is, is uh, I think the banks learned from uh, just foreclosing on all of the homeowners and creating all this supply, um, which created less for them as well. Um, that this is why you saw them proactively uh, you know, with, with, uh, homeowners that did face, um, some difficult, uh, challenges with furloughs and layoffs and things like that. You saw banks that proactively, uh, came out and offered forbearance agreements really quickly. If you remember in 08, 09, 
that wasn't the case. The banks weren't willing to work with homeowners. They were just, if you can't make your payment, we're going to foreclose on you or you yeah. can do a short sale. And this time around um, foreclosure in their lot in the bank's loss mitigation departments foreclosure wasn't the option that they were trying to push um, on any homeowners. It was forbearance and, and, and there were, there's different types of forbearance agreements. Some are, you know, they take the payments that couldn't be made by the home and they roll those in the backside of the loan. Some rolled it back into, you know, six months down the way, some re-amortize the loan from 30 years to 40 years. There's a lot of different ways to do a forbearance. So if anyone that's listening, um, you know, is in a position like that, make sure just to read those carefully to understand um, what type of forbearance agreement you're getting into. But we're just not seeing the foreclosure short sale um, push from the banks that we saw in 08, 09 either. Yeah, great point. And um, is there anything else you'd care to add before, uh, before I let you go? It's been a fun conversation. No, I agree. I just, uh, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you so much for, for having me. Um, I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate the, the feature of our company. Uh, we have a lot of incredible uh, human beings in our company that, uh, that deserve the recognition. So thank you. Great. Well, thanks a lot, Chris. Good luck to you. Take care. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce, or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.